I hope everyone is doing well today. I love being here with you <clears throat> in this church. Um, the title of the message, I just noticed, I thought this was a little funny. The title was supposed to be the most important news. And then the next line in my text was summary. And I gave the one sentence summary. So that's on me. But the most important news is what, but it's a summary. Sure, we'll, we can go with that. Um, yeah, I wanted to... Uh, yeah, share a few things with you. I was actually, Dick, I wanted to admit to share before the service, but I'll share with everyone. Um, I was with someone yesterday that uh, Pastor Dick had some influence on. Uh, I don't know the, the extent of it, but she was just saying, um, her name was Priscilla. I don't know if you know. I always want to say Schreier. I don't know her last name. I know that's not it. Um, she said, wow, Pastor Dick had such an influence on me. Um, he, he really shifted my paradigms, and she wouldn't be doing what, what she's doing now if it weren't for your, your influence. And so we were in, in a room yesterday with a few other leaders and all over kind of Metro New York, and we were just dreaming together what would it look like for us to help others just start churches throughout the, the Metro New York area. And it was a really exciting thing to be, to be a part of. So yeah, just love to see this church's influence continue to, uh, to go forward. I'm going to um, change a setting on my phone so that my notes will not disappear on me. There we go. Well, first question I wanted to ask for us this morning is what, what is news? What is news? Do we all watch the news, listen to the news, read the news? I'm seeing some nods and some, some head shakes. Um, who loves uh, paying attention to the news? Okay, some hands, yeah. Who hates? The news stays away from it. Okay. Um, mixed bag here. That's good. Who likes to read just the headlines? And that's enough for me. Who wants to read a little more? Who wants to read a lot? Okay. Yeah. News. There's something about news, whether you love it or hate it. There's something about it. I actually read an article. What, what makes news news? Um, four things, you know, people who study news would say. The first thing is the most obvious, the newness of news. As its name implies, news typically connotes the, the presentation of new information. Okay, new information. So something new just happened. Something that hadn't happened previously, but something new just happened. The second one is the tone. What, what is the, the tone of, of the news? It says here, most purveyors of news value impartiality, neutrality, and objectivity I'm getting some laughter here. Despite the inherent difficulty of reporting without political bias, which is why we're all laughing. Uh, but there is a tone. There's always a, a skew. There's always a perspective. There's an interpretation of this new thing that just happened and what it means and what the implications are, right? There's also the idea of newsworthiness. Is this newsworthy or not? Newsworthiness is defined as a subject having sufficient relevance to the public or a special audience to warrant uh, press attention or coverage. So some things that we see in the news, we think, why, why are we hearing about this? Why does this matter? This isn't important. And some things affect our lives significantly. Is it newsworthy or not? And the last thing um, that is always attached to news is the, the sense of commodity. According to some theories, news is whatever the news industry sells. 
news is there's always an element of making money right and, and as long as there's something to share with someone else well you have to buy the paper you have to uh, watch the ad that someone paid for to watch the to get the free news you have to click on on the the link or whatever it is um, so news newness tone newsworthiness and commodity these things kind of make up what we think of when it when it comes to news this morning the apostle paul is talking about news the gospel what does it mean the word euangelion it means good news when we hear the word gospel i think sometimes maybe we forget that um, we're talking about news and even when we hear the phrase good news um we we, we lose this perspective that this this was once new <laughs> And this was this is the most newsworthy event that's ever happened. It's the most relevant, and the tone of it it's not skewed in any any direction. It's a it's an event that has happened. This gospel news, and yet despite all that, it still oftentimes has been reduced to a commodity, where it's bought and sold and manipulated for this purpose or that purpose. And the question I want us to to reflect on this morning. Even just as we experience together, being the church, as we experience the good news of Jesus this morning, is what God is doing in us. Is that news? Is God doing something new among us? Is it newsworthy? Or is it not? Is God actively involved in our lives? Is the living word awakening us and sending us off on mission? Are we growing more deeply in our relationship with God in ways that are transformative and that we have something to tell somebody else about today tomorrow this week what would it look like if what was happening in all of our minds and hearts and wills this morning was new was news good news so this summary statement the death and resurrection of jesus is news that must change us and news that must be told i think that's a one way to, to try to summarize what Paul is saying here in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. So we've already read it. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to read it again. It was read very well, just to get it fresh on our minds one more time. So feel free to open, open up a Bible or, or listen along. 1 Corinthians 15, near the, the end of the, uh, the book, nearing to, toward the end. Paul's words in, in verse 1, he says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles." unworthy to be called an apostle because i persecuted the church of god but by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace toward me was not in vain on the contrary 
I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Paul likes this news. This news has made an impact on Paul. It's, it's transformed him. It's turned his life upside down. And now, you know, he, since it changed him, he began to turn the world upside down with that news. And it just continued. Um, so I want us to ask a few questions of this text. When I read the first part of verse 1, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. The question that comes to my mind is, are you telling others this news? Am I telling? The first question is, am I telling? But are we telling? Are disciples telling others of this good news? Because that's what Paul is doing right here. He says, now I would remind you, brothers. Now he's, he's reminding the brothers of the good news. Do you think disciples of Jesus need to hear the good news again and again? We forget, don't we? Um, I mean... We'll probably forget everything I'm going to say in the next 20 minutes. By next week, I might remember a little more because I spent some time teaching it. So those who teach you, you remember a little more, but just listening, it's hard to keep it all in. We need the reminder. We need the reminder constantly. So Paul is saying, now, I would remind you, brothers, even this morning, um, Barbara stepped away. She was telling me, she said, you're the first person I'm, I'm talking to about this this morning. She was struck by a verse in 1 John that said, this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. And she was just reflecting on the fact that we all often emphasize how much we love God and the things that we ought to be doing. But John is telling us the real love is what God has done for us. And I was just thinking about all the songs we just sang. They're all about who God is and what God has done for us. A little bit, and, and Lord, I lift your name on high. I love to sing your praises. I love, you know, Lord, I lift your name on high. But then the chorus, you came from heaven to earth. This is why we're lifting his name on high. So now I would remind you, brothers, we need that reminder. I needed that reminder from Barbara this morning. I want to do things for God, and I need to be still and receive. Um, yeah, it's just easy for me to just slip back into just forgetting this gospel that I have earned nothing of my salvation. And I'm not, I cannot continue to earn God's favor. So we all need that reminder. Then he goes on uh, of the gospel I preached to you. Now there was a time where the first, uh, the, the church of Corinth were not followers of Jesus. And this word came to them. Paul became a, a spiritual father to this, this whole uh, group of, of people, these, these disciples who were there. And there was one time when, they, they needed the good news, not just to edify them and encourage them and sanctify them. They needed that good news to transform their life for the first time, to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We, others need salvation. Christians need reminders, and others need salvation. So whoever you're talking to, if they're a human being, we need to tell them the good news. We need to either remind them or tell them, maybe, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, the good news of Jesus. Can you think of any um, any people in the Old Testament or the New Testament who uh, kept telling of the good news of God? Any, any example? Just throw out some names. They just they kept they, they couldn't be silenced. They kept telling about what what God had done for them. 
Jesus? Get the easy answer out of the way. Woman at the well? Yes, yes, Anna. Anna Simeon? Oh, yes, Anna, uh, the prophetess, and Simeon. Paul, John the Baptist, Stephen, Peter. Are you seeing a pattern? Philip. You could almost, if, if you see a name in the Bible, they're often telling about the good news of Jesus. In fact, the disciples said a nice summary statement in Acts. I think it's in chapter 4. We cannot stop speaking about the things we've seen and heard. We cannot stop. <laughs> yeah, I have, um, I have a friend that um, I've been kind of mentoring. He has a, a few other. He's not a part of our, our, uh, our house church, but I do have you know, a role in his life and influence in his life. And he just recently shared that he's become a Christian universalist. And I don't think that's very Christian. I prefer to call it a universalist. Um, where he, he's, he's of the opinion now where, um, yes, when you die, those who do not believe in Jesus will go to hell, but that experience in hell will be temporary. And then eventually um, everyone will, will uh change their mind and follow Jesus and, and go to heaven. And I've just been struck by Paul's words, Christians need reminders. Uh, are, um, now I would remind you, brothers, this, this first word that, that Paul opens, chapter 15. My friend, he needs this reminder, and his relationship with the word has drifted, and other voices, other podcasts, and YouTube videos have been filling his mind with other ideas. And Paul's words have been a stark, a stark reminder to me. Now, I would remind you, brothers, we all need the reminder because there are a lot of voices saying a lot of things, pulling us into a lot of different directions. Uh, another example comes to mind. A friend of mine, his name uh, is Buck. I met him. I can't remember if I've shared some of these stories here in the past, so forgive me if it's review, but um, I was with Buck. Long story short, uh, maybe nine months after I just shared the gospel with him on the on the street, he said, he calls me, says, Chad, God has changed my life. We've got to get together. And we've been doing that. Long story short, he's he's joined our church. He was a backslidden Christian for many years. So I think he was a follower of Jesus when I met him, but had been running from God. And anyway, God God had had brought him back in the in the meantime. And now this guy, Buck, he's, um, I think he's 72. He is the boldest guy I've ever met. He, he uses the phrase, bold as a lion. And he likes to serve um, the truth up raw and cold. What does he say? A reality sandwich served up raw and cold or something like that. <clears throat> and so I'm often trying to, you know, calm him down a little sometimes. And, you know, let's, let's have be full of grace and truth. Um, but we just, we were, we were walking by a park one day and God put a, a retirement center on our mind. And he said, Hey, let's go in, let's go in there and ask if, if we could start a Bible study there. 
long story short, um, we were there. We've, we've had a few Bible studies there. 25 people came the first time. 30 people came the, the, the second time. And, and Buck cannot be stopped. He has been unleashed on this retirement community. There's 200 and so residents there. And every week we just stop by just to try to encourage and pray for people. And the, the man is such an evangelist. Um, so when Paul says, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, I think of Buck. He's constantly preaching the gospel to those who, who haven't heard and, and who need that gospel in their, in their lives. So the question for us is, are you telling others this good news? Are we telling others this news? Another question to ask is, is this news changing you? Not has this news changed you like once and for all? That's an important question. But is it continuing to change you? Is it still changing you? And let's read the rest of, of Paul's words here. Uh, this gospel that he, I, I preached to you, verse 1, which you received. You've got to receive this gospel. And we have to continually receive this gospel in which you stand. Are you standing on this gospel? Is it the source of our, of our joy? Is it the source of our, our hope? You know, sometimes we can stand on some other things and we, we start to sink like Peter did uh, when, when he was walking on, on the water when Jesus called out to him. Are we standing on the gospel, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved? Do you hear that language? Not saved once and for all. Yes, that's a, an important idea, but are you continually becoming more like Jesus? Are, are you continually being transformed by this good news? And he says, verse 2, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. My friend who's become a universalist, was not holding fast to that word that was preached to him. Are we holding fast to that word? And he says, verse 2, unless you believed in vain. What does that mean? Unless you believed in vain. Yeah, I think, I think Paul answers this question. We can just put that in the back of your head. Unless you believed in vain, we can, we can wonder what that means. I think he answers it. In the end, when he says, I did not believe this gospel in vain. Are we receiving this news? Are we standing on this news? Are we being saved by this news? Are we holding fast to this, this news, this word that was preached to us? Or are we doing some of these things in vain? Can we think of any examples where, in Scripture, just like we did before, where how God saved a person, how God transformed a person's life. Um, you know, any, any examples of transformation that you can think of from Old Testament to New, New Testament? Paul? You could just repeat our list. <laughs> what examples of transformation come to your mind? Mary Magdalene. King Nebuchadnezzar. Zacchaeus. Who else? Pentecost, yes. 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 Walking out with grave cloths on you, that's transformation. Yes. Yes. The man let, let down in the roof and the man healed, healed by Peter and John. Bartimaeus, 
Matthew, did I hear? Cornelius. We could keep going, couldn't we? Again, you could almost say, if you see a name in the Bible, there's a story of transformation attached to this. So the question for us is, are, is this news changing us? Are we experiencing this, this transformation? Um, I have a few friends. My, my friend Javier, um, he, he was from Guatemala. He's moved to New York. He's a jazz guitarist. He teaches jazz guitar at NYU. My friend Ed, who's a part of another house church in our network of, of house churches, um, baptized him, uh, I don't know, six months ago, maybe less, not a long time. And Javier, I, have, I don't know that I've seen such transformation in a person. He, he humbles us every day. There's a few people in our church who have been like paid professional ministers of various roles and churches over the years who know a lot of scripture and just very just like skilled and trained and professional. And Javier just like keeps putting us all to shame every week with his obedience, with his love for God, with his simplicity, with his passion. It is so humbling to see. And in the last few months, he um, met a friend who was living on the street and he didn't patronize him. He wasn't condescending to him. He didn't treat him like a project and give him some money and move on. He sat down with him and treated him like a human and got to know him. And long story short, this man was baptized. This man is now living in Javier's apartment. Uh, Javier had a pretty small room and he, he's moved in with his aunt so that so this man could, could live in, his, in his, his room. This man now has a job, now paying rent off the streets. That's a rare story. Transformation. I was with this, um, a friend of ours connected to uh, another house church in Connecticut, actually. Um, and she, you know, this, this story, I, I'm not sure what, what we all think of this story. I'm not sure what I think of this story. Um, I don't, I don't think a, a demon was possessing her. I think a demon was harassing her. Um, I think of it like rooms in a house. Jesus used this metaphor in, in one of his teachings about, about demons, that rooms in a house, I think like you can have a, someone come into your room. They don't own the house, but they're, they're, they're squatting in one of the rooms in your house, right? And you got to kick them out if they, if they don't belong there, if you don't want them there. But this, this person was experiencing voices um, throughout the day accusatory, condescending voices, hate, hateful things. She um, was aware of multiple presences, had names for them. Um, yeah, awful, awful stuff that, that's not really appropriate to share here that she experienced. And me and Javier, uh, two weeks ago, two Saturdays ago, uh, went up to, to pray for her. And we prayed that uh, in the name of Jesus, you know, that she would be freed. We commanded these demons to get out of her life. She confessed sin. She canceled, you know, whatever attachments or what were happening in the spiritual realm. And um, she, she, we, we called a, a few hours later. She said she feels lighter. She hasn't been hearing those voices. She's had transformation. And it was beautiful to see that. Um, last night I was with, I was sharing with someone 
before the service. I was in uh, near Mount Vernon, so not, not too far from here, last night, and we were going up to pray for a man. His name was Paul. Um, he's from Guyana, and yeah, he's, he's, he's just re um, received a diagnosis of terminal uh, brain cancer. And I had, I've known him for a few years. We actually lived in a hotel for a couple, a couple months uh, where he was the bellhop. And um, so we, got it, we, we knew each other in that time. And then years passed, we just kept, kept in touch, uh, just kind of texting back and forth, calling once in a while. And he reaches out to me and says, Chad, I want you to come pray for me. Long story short, he speaks with his cousin, who happens to be a pastor in Trinidad. And we're, we're having dinner last night at an Indian restaurant. Come to find out me, Javier was there also, another one of our friends from our, from our church. In the last three weeks, this man's become a follower of Jesus. He was a Hindu before. That's a transformation. And me and Javier, my other friend, we were, we were, we're talking, we're like, you think this really happened? Are we just like, is this the placebo effect? Is this confirmation bias? And we just want this to happen. And we think this is what he's saying. We're all just saying, this man is, is talking like he's, he's in the kingdom. He's a follower of Jesus now. And as I'm just reflecting on, on me this morning, I have so much in my life that needs to change and so much that's still changing. Um, I even shared, you know, a few minutes ago, I just want to do, I just want to do things. I'm, someone gave me the, uh, the strong word. They, they observed me in, in our, our church, and they said, Chad, people in your church see you as a leader, but not a father. I said, ooh, I think they're right. I'm learning how to father. Um, I need to learn how to be more uncompromising and just say the truth and not just water it down or be, you know, tiptoe around. The gospel is making me more uncompromising, like Buck. I'm learning about gifts of the Spirit. I'm learning about leadership. I'm learning about simultaneously being more bold and more humble. How do you do that? Well, the gospel makes you bolder, but the gospel makes you humbler. I want to be both of those things simultaneously. Is this news changing you? <clears throat> I know it is. But this new, God isn't done with all of us here. There's more change that needs to, uh, that needs to happen. Well, what is this news? <clears throat> what is this news that Paul's talking about? Well, let's, let's continue on, verses 3 to 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That word gospel that he, he opens up with, it means good news. The good news is, well, God created everything. We were far from him. We were all in sin. So the Father sent the Son to save us. He died for our sins. Jesus saves sinners. That's the good news in three words. Jesus saves sinners. You could, we could think about the, the, uh, the good news in a lot of different ways. I actually made a list one time just thinking about all the, the different ways that the good news hits us. But I don't know what, what kind of aspect of the good news we need this morning. Maybe we feel forgotten, God remembers you. Maybe we feel lost, God wants to find you. We feel uninvited, the Father wants to invite you. We feel rejected, God wants to accept you. We feel like an outsider, 
God welcomes you in and is hospitable with you. We're wandering. God is guiding you. you. You feel untouchable. God wants to touch you. We feel like we're perishing. God wants to rescue you. We feel like there's no way. God wants to make a way. We could go on and on. Whatever the need is, God wants to meet it. He wants to be, He is good news for all of us in all of our situations. Can we trust this news? Can we trust that it's good news? Look at what Paul says, verse 5. This resurrected Jesus, he appeared to Cephas. He appeared to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. I just ran out of fingers. Most of whom are still alive. At the, at the time of this writing, you could have reached out to any of these people. Though some have fallen asleep, some have died. Then he appeared to James. That, that instance about James is not in the Gospels. We're not sure what that instance was, but we have it mentioned here. Apparently this happened. Then to all the apostles, is that just a reiteration of the 12 disciples and, and other times that he saw them? Or is it the other just, you know, apostle means messenger. The other sent out disciples, the other workers who were, who were there. Could be, could be either one. Last of all, listen to this humility. As to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Almost like Paul was born at the wrong time, he's saying. Jesus was kind enough to appear to him too. So think of, think of the logic of this. You know, you don't apply the scientific method to the resurrection of Jesus. Um, it's not observable. It's not repeatable. You can't put it in, in a beaker. We need a chemistry teacher to explain more about this. We, we need the evidentiary method where we need eyewitness testimony and corroboration, you know, multiple attestation, multiple eyewitnesses here. Um, and they're all kind of saying the same thing. And that's exactly what we have in the Gospels. And we have enemies existing at this time who had the means and the motive to discredit this, and they couldn't because of all these eyewitnesses. They said, we, we saw it. These other people said, well, we saw it too. 500 people at one time, 500 people at the same time don't have the same hallucination or the same, you know, whatever your other theory is to explain this away. This is eyewitness testimony. Can you trust this news? Yes. This, this is not some biased news that can't be trusted, okay? This is eyewitness testimony. It's the most reliable ancient news that we have. And this news changed Paul. I would say I saved the best for last in the, the end of the message, but these are, we're just following along Paul's words. Paul says, think about his transformation. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I just want to zoom in a little bit. There's five places throughout the New Testament where Paul refers to himself. He, he does it in more places, but I just want to track along this timeline, to the book of Galatians, which was written around 48 AD, okay? Remember that. Paul refers to himself as an apostle. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, okay? A few years go by. Now we're 56 AD. That's where we are in this verse. For I am the least of the apostles. He went from apostle now he's saying, I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. A few years later, uh, AD 60 or 61, Ephesians 3.8, this grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of the Messiah. 
Now he's not even referring to himself as, as an apostle. He is, and he knows he is. But do you see the humility? And he's getting like stronger and taller and bolder, but he's becoming humbler. Then a few more years, A.D. 61, 62, Philippians. He says, Paul and, and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Now he's not even referring to himself as a saint, but a servant. And he says, to all the saints in Christ Jesus. He's a servant. They're the saints. And then one of the, the later books written in 62, 64 AD, a few years later, 1 Timothy chapter 1. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There's more gospel for you. And I am the worst of them, he says. The chief of sinners, Paul says. The gospel changed Paul. And listen to this, this transformation as he writes. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Remember, we asked that question. What does it mean to believe this gospel in vain or receive it in vain or even tell it in vain? Well, I'll tell you what's not in vain, what Paul did with it. He says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. That's some strong words from Paul. Paul said of all the other disciples, I worked harder than any of them. But then he, he, he qualifies it immediately, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. I wonder who here is working the hardest. Paul said, run the race in such a way as to win the prize. But it's not all about us and glory and, you know... It, God's grace is the one that's driving us along. But then Paul says, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believe. And he brings us back to the heart of this message. So whether it was them or I, you know, I don't want you to get focused on that. I just want you to focus on the fact that the gospel is being preached and it's being believed. What we said at the beginning, right? The death and resurrection of Jesus is news that must change us and news that must be told. And again, to think about what news is, Jesus is making all things new. The, the, newest, the newest thing that, that will ever be is what God, whatever God is doing in the world right now. And the tone, <laughs> uh, it's, a it's a trustworthy tone. It's not, it's not something that's skewed you know, left or right or, or this way or that way. It's just fact. God has come into the world to save sinners, and we have, we have eyewitness testimony of this. It's the most newsworthy news of all news that has ever been new. Nothing is more important than this news. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and say, wow, this is the most newsworthy thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe. Everyone, whether they're on the right side of it or the wrong side of it, will say, this is the most newsworthy event. But have we reduced this to a commodity? If we're not being saved, if we're not being made new by this gospel, and if we're not telling others about this gospel, I would argue that we're believing it in vain, and we've reduced it to a commodity. But I know, I, I'm confident, and I, as I was driving here, I'm just I'm saying, God, help me see this, this beautiful church through your eyes, through the Father's eyes. And I was thinking, and, you know, he, 
I got the sense that Father is so proud of this church. The Father loves this church, and he knows that you know him, and he knows you. But there's more to know. And we all know this. And he knows that you're telling others about him. But there's more to tell. He knows you've been transformed. You, you all know more than me. I'm just here to visit. You know the stories of transformation that are in this room. But there's more to transform. So let me pray for us, and we'll move on to the next part of the service. Father, we thank you for this most important news. Where would we be without it? Where would we be without you? You are this news. You are good news for us. Would you change us more and more? And would you help us tell others about what you're doing in our life? In Jesus' name, amen.